The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up everybody, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast, I'm Will Brinson, I'm your host, coming up on this episode, we will be joined by Jared Dubin to look at, uh, talk some Russell Wilson rumors news and also to look at the future of the chiefs and the buccaneers and what the two super bowl teams might do this offseason but very quickly uh wanted to uh, take a second and pay tribute to and remember the late marty schottenheimer who died on tuesday morning his family announced he was in charlotte north carolina uh, he had been battling alzheimer's for a uh for a pretty significant period of time i believe uh and and finally passed away you know he's a um there was a little controversy involving the Washington Post and a headline that they put up uh, criticizing his, his lack of playoff wins. And I think it really, I don't know if that speaks to the general perception of Marty Schottenheimer, but when you talk to people who played for him and who coached with him, um, you know, he, he really is. And I hope maybe it'll be post-mortem, but probably should be a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, he has 200 career wins, one of seven coaches to, to hit that number. Um, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid. The other two, you know, currently active guys and then four who are in the Hall of Fame, Don Shula, George Hollis, Tom Landry and Curly Lambeau. So, I mean, like it's a pretty exclusive club and Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are lock job first ballot Hall of Famers. So you do kind of wonder, like, what does a guy have to do? You know, clearly a Super Bowl um, will boost your you know resume. Schottenheimer has more wins as a head coach than Chuck Knoll, Bill Parcells and Bud Grant, all of whom are, whom are in the Hall of Fame. He made the playoffs in 13 of his 21 seasons as a head coach. It's the fifth, fifth most playoff appearances among head coaches in NFL history. Um, people, he won 62% of his games with the Browns. And I know that the Browns were better before they, you know, before they left for Baltimore and, um, you know, and all of that, but like 62% of your games with the Browns is, is pretty stunning. And, you know, two straight AFC championship games with the drive and the fumble occurring against him. You know, uh, when John Elway, the first one, Elway marched down the field and, you know, wins the game for the Broncos and then Ernest Beyer f- fumbles, you know, while about to plunge into the end zone for a win. So it's, it's not like his team's curled up and choked in the playoffs. You know, they, they had some really bad luck. And then, you know, I mean, I thought, I thought about this game all the time, the 2006 divisional round when he coached the Los Angeles, excuse me, the, the, now is when I get it right. The San Diego Chargers, and uh, they lose to the Patriots after Marlon McCree picks off Tom Brady, and then Ty Law creates a fumble, and the Patriots get it back, and Brady wins. I mean, that's not like Marty Schottenheimer not coaching his team well. It's it's bad luck against an all-time great that catches a bunch of breaks. That team went 14-2 and two 
that Chargers team did. And Marty Schottenheimer with Philip Rivers, by the way. And Marty Schottenheimer was fired after that game, which is pretty wild. Uh, Chargers have, you know, not had a whole lot of success since then, by the way, but, but you probably already knew that. Uh, he made three conference championship games, 86, 87, and 93. Um, he has the second most wins as a head coach in Chiefs history, 101. They went to 10 playoff appearances from 89 to 98. Um, and his coaching tree is crazy robust. You know, it, it, you know, Bruce Arians, who just won the Super Bowl, uh, he gave him his first job. Bill Cower, who won a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh, and Tony Dungy, among uh, notable coaches, along with others. Arians was a, a, a running backs coach with Schottenheimer from 89 to 92. Cower was his uh, special teams coach, secondary in D.C. from 85 to 91 in Cleveland and Kansas City. And Dungy was a DBs coach in that same stretch with, um, you know, with, with Arians. I mean, like, you know, these are, this is a guy who had a knack for finding talent, a very kind man who, by all accounts, um, you know, uh, I, in my opinion, is just underrated. Like, I get the, the Marty Ball stigma. You know, he loves to run the football and, it, you know, carried himself over a friend of the podcast, his son, Brian Schottenheimer, who was, you know, former Seahawks running, Seahawks offensive coordinator, you know, love to run the football. That's, that's the approach. And, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't work in modern times and maybe as football sort of evolved, people were less and less inclined to appreciate it, but the dude just won football games and he inspired people and, um, it is a shame that he is somebody who won that often and that much is, you know, unfortunately pegged with, you know, stigma of not winning in the playoffs when he went five and 13. You know, that's not great, but you know, three of those games, you know, never made a Super Bowl, but three of those seasons ended in crazy fashion and that, you know, where the teams would have made the playoffs or what could have easily made the Super Bowl and easily won a championship. As you know, we'll talk to Dubin about it's hard to win titles and, you know, Marty Schottenheimer never got one, but they probably a pretty uh, worthy Hall of Fame coach. And unfortunately, it may it, if it happens, it will be uh, without him able to see it. R.I.P. Marty Schottenheimer uh, gone at the age of 77. All right, now to join us to break down some NFL news and the futures of the Bucks and the Chiefs. Good friend of the show, Jared Dubin. Dudes, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I'm not bad. I can't complain. Um, we got a little like Bodie's in the, in the house. One yeah. of our, uh, it is Bodie, right? Yeah, it's Bodie. Yeah. He, uh, I live right above the walkway to the dog park in our building. It's like a small little dog run and he's staring out the window at these dogs walking there right now. It's amazing. He's, I mean, he is in very, he's staring like Russell Westbrook, uh, yeah. out, <laughs> out at the dogs. Uh, if you want to see, uh, David's dog sit in his lap and stare at a window, Make sure and go to youtube.com slash pick six and you can do just that. Uh, let's, we're going to talk about the Bucks and the Chiefs as mentioned, but first let's get to Russell Wilson because the Seahawks quarterback has made some news. Uh, first, first reported by the way, by Jason Lockin for our CBS sports NFL insider. He said on, um, Monday night, this is Wednesday, yes, on Monday night that Russell Wilson's camp, quote, has grown increasingly frustrated by the Seahawks' inability to protect the eight-time Pro Bowler. He's been sacked 394 times in nine seasons. This situation warrants serious monitoring. Now, some people questioned, you know, the what JLC was trying to say. It became very clear on Tuesday, dudes, because Russell Wilson came out on the Dan Patrick show and did a couple of things. One, when asked about trade rumors, he said, you have to ask the Seahawks. Two, he said, 
um, that they do need to get better at protecting him. And three, he said he'd like to be more involved in the personnel moves a la Tom Brady. Is this Russ having some FOMO? Like, you know, watching Tom Brady win with the Bucks? Is it, what do you, what do we think? What do we think about all this? I think it's a lot of different things. You know, I, I do think that obviously the Seahawks not, not being able to protect him, especially against teams with like really good interior pressure, like the Rams has been a consistent issue over the years. You know, not that any team can really protect well against Aaron Donald, but I think, you know, specifically against interior rushers, they've had a lot of issues keeping him well protected. And for a guy like Russ, who's, you know, maybe six foot on a good day, that's a bigger issue when the pressure comes up the middle than it is when, when it comes around the edge, because it, it, it forces him off of his spot and it takes him, you know, a little bit longer to see where the defense is. And it's not like the Seahawks have invested all that heavily in their offensive line over the years. I can't remember whose tweet it was earlier, but I saw someone where, you know, they've been in like the bottom 10 in offensive line spending in like six of the last seven years. And it's not like they're investing, you know, premium draft picks and offensive linemen either. A lot of times they're, they're trading down or they're picking, you know, even more linebackers. But I think we've also seen over the last few years a lot more research come out about how sacks in large part are a quarterback stat just as much, if not more, than they're an offensive line stat. Mm. And, I mean, when was the rest the last time you can remember Russell Wilson taking the snap, hitting the top of his drop, and just letting the ball go? Doesn't happen. Yeah, it never happens. Like, yep. he takes a lot of time back there. Part of it is because he's small. Part of it is because, you know, the improvisation is key to his style and part of what makes him so good, but he does bear some responsibility in terms of him getting sacked really often and even being under pressure really often. But they also just the way their offense is designed and the, the, the lack of resources they put in the offensive line is it all combines into one. So maybe if, if what he wants personnel wise is more investment in the offensive line or, you know, more investment in, you know, in terms of play calling, calling more like quick game stuff, I can't remember the Seahawks having like a quick game. They'll throw like two step slants to DK Metcalf, but that's about it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look, we'll have to see what happens with Shane Waldron now and his offensive coordinator, what he decides to do. But presumably he's, you know, he's not exactly going to be running like 42 bubble screens a game based on what we've seen from, you know, McVay and, and the Rams offense. Like it, I mean, I do, I do, I think that the Waldron addition will be good, you know, assuming that he implements, you know, concepts from McVay's offense because it's, you know, it's run heavy, but also, you know, uses so much play action, but I'm just not sure also how different that is. Like, I, I guess, I guess I sort of wonder, do you think this is, I don't know if this is Russ actually pointing out things. I mean, I guess they are technically fairly true, but I feel like it's frustration born out of the idea that he, he, he believes he can be the greatest of all time. Um, and he probably, you know, watching Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl, realized that he can't get there and that he is, you know, stuck on one Super Bowl, which, you know, there's a lot of great quarterbacks with one Super Bowl. There's plenty of great quarterbacks with no Super Bowls. But if you're a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, you know, and you get him, you get some true ceremonial and you say, all right, you win one Super Bowl for your career. Are you, are you, are you satisfied or disappointed? I think they're definitely going to answer disappointed, right? Oh, no doubt, especially with Russ having won so early in right. his career. And then being um, on the doorstep of the of the second one, you know. Yeah, and I mean, a, a lot of the thing with Russ, too, is early in his career, he was a, a very low-volume quarterback, but the type of efficiency he's had in more recent years where he's been at higher volume was already there when he was a lower-volume passer, and that's kind of what 
gave people the idea that he could keep it up throwing more passes. It's not the type of thing where, like, you know, if, if Russell Wilson throws 650 passes, it's going to be dramatically less efficient than if he throws 450. Uh, it's a minimal difference, if any. And I think we saw that, especially early in this season, when, you know, they bought into the let Russ Cook movement. He was basically setting the league on fire. And then there was a couple of games where the defense was so bad that he basically decided I have to do literally everything and score a touchdown on every play. And he threw a bunch of picks in like a three game span. And they were like, all right, we're shutting this down. We're going back to the offense we used for the last eight or nine years. And I think his frustration is largely that like, he doesn't want to play in an offense where he's in a cocoon and he's being protected or where they think he needs to be protected. And then all of a sudden it gets to third and 12 and then they're like, all right, Russ, make something happen or it gets to the fourth quarter and they're down by 10 points. It's like, all right, Russ, make something happen. He wants to be trusted to be the one driving the success all game, I think. And in order to do that, I think he has to be better protected than he's been for the majority of his career. They also have to throw different kinds of passes than he's thrown for a lot of his career. And, you know, a lot of that is on him just in terms of being able to willing, being willing to hit the top of his drop and get rid of the ball and being willing to, to take the seven yard, curl if it's open and not necessarily trying to hit a home run on every play but a lot of it is on the offensive coordinator or the scheme or on Pete Carroll's overall philosophy and especially on you know their lack of investment in the offensive line in front of him yeah and it's entirely possible that you know um Russ is just sort of myth that maybe they didn't come to him about yeah like he sees again how Tom Brady did what Tom Brady did in Tampa how he comes in and you know and I've been saying this for since since before the season now I wish I'd Pick the Bucks and win the Super Bowl because I was, I was just bullish on the whole situation. Like I said, Brady picked the Bucks because Arians and Jason Light, Bruce Arians and Jason Light are going to let him collaborate. He wanted to be part of something. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure that Russ talked to Tom leading up to the, you know, to the Super Bowl and, and throughout the year. And I'm sure that he mentioned that. And I'm sure that's something that Russell Wilson is, is intrigued by. Uh, then you add in the fact that Deshaun Watson is out here. Along with other quarterbacks, you know, Matthew Stafford got his trade. I'm not saying that Russ wants to leave Seattle. I just think he wants, I think he, we've talked about this on the podcast. Sometimes when you start your career in a certain place, you are not going to be treated in a way. A hundred percent. This is, this has happened with Russell, for, uh, with Russell Westbrook, with Russell Wilson for years because he was a third round pick because he's five foot 11. There is still this idea that he needs to be protected, that he needs to be in this cocoon, that he's not an elite quarterback. I think you're seeing the same thing happen with Dak Prescott where like he's pretty clearly the best quarterback from that 2016 class. And if hit, if it was him that had gone number one or number two instead of Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, this, this contract's done like two the contract years. was done two years ago. And there's never any discussion about which of them is the best player. I think you're seeing a lot of the same things happen with Russ. Like there were people still not willing to say that, that Wilson was better than Andrew Luck, even though it was fairly obvious throughout their entire careers. He just outplayed Luck from the very beginning. Um, and, and I think he's also like, he is the quality of quarterback that merits a big investment in the infrastructure around him, like the one that Brady got in Tampa. So a lot of that infrastructure was there already, obviously, with Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. And I think three of the five offensive linemen were there already, too. But, you know, they went and they picked uh, an offensive lineman in the first round. They signed Gronk. They signed Antonio Brown. They drafted another receiver, Tyler Johnson, in I think the third or fourth round. They brought in multiple running backs who could do different things and didn't make them the centerpiece of the offense. They fit them into what they wanted to do with Brady. I know you, you see the same thing 
in Kansas City. Granted, Mahomes was sort of like the last piece there because sure. they had a good offensive line. They had Tyreek Hill. They had Travis Kelsey, and then they went and got him. They they need to refortify some of that group around him now, especially along the offensive line. But it's it's not like they haven't made investments in putting the pieces around him. Look at what the the Bills did for Josh Allen, for example. I was going to use that next. They, Nobody they from that offense was left. In, but yeah, the like, only guy left from that offense when Josh Allen was a rookie is Deion Dawkins. That's Every right. other piece they upgraded. They and, went and got John Brown. And Russ is, is on this level. Like the Seahawks should be. Instead of trying to find some pass rusher in the, like, I understand you want your defense to be better. It needs to be better. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, go get, just do whatever you got to do to put stuff around Russell Wilson. Cause you got, what's he? 30. I think he's 31. 31. I mean, I you probably got a while left in his career, but you, you, you don't want, I don't, this is, this is, I think this has always been the frustration 32. with Russ is that, or not with Russ, but with the Seahawks is that, you know, it's like you guys are – the question is, are you winning 9 to 12 games a year in spite of yourselves? You know, like if, yeah. if you're winning 9 to 12 games a year because you just happen to have Russell Wilson, you found him, that's great because you did find him. But, you know, this you want to be the team that is dominant, that is, you know, giving yourself a legitimate Super Bowl shot every year, and it doesn't feel like they've had that in the postseason just because of how they've looked the last – I mean, you know, they what they beat the Eagles and then – you know, the loss of the Packers and didn't look great two years ago. And then this year just looked awful against the Rams. I mean, yep. very uninspiring playoff performances and you can understand his frustration. I mean, I think a lot of it is just the overall philosophy. Like they're playing football with a, with a philosophy that comes from like Pete Carroll's first stint in the NFL, you know, like you don't win in the NFL by establishing the run. That's just not how it works. It's been disproven over and over you have to throw the ball well, and you have to stop the other team from throwing the ball well. And once you're ahead, then you can run to run the clock out. Right. And they have the ability to do that with, with Russell Wilson, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like, it's also, like, it's not illegal to have more than two good wide receivers, you know? Like, you can, you can have more than two receivers on the field. Look at a guy like Robbie Anderson, who the Panthers went and got, who, you know, would have provided them with, you know, another guy who can both stretch the field and make plays in short areas. The Panthers got him for basically nothing. Like, what did he get, $8 million or whatever on the free agent market? The Seahawks couldn't have done that? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, anyway, yeah, I agree. I mean, like, you're, like, you got lucky with DK Metcalf. Don't get me wrong, incredible ad. But, like, if Tyler Lockett goes down and then defenses just, you know, hone in on DK, you know, you need more options besides David Moore and Greg Olson. I mean, it's just, you know. Stop spending your first round picks on Rashad Penny, guys. Like, what are you doing? Uh, all right, let's take or a break. We're on we... another off ball linebacker that's like your fourth linebacker. Right. <laughs> you have like 15 off ball linebackers and your defense is terrible. Maybe stop. Um, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Bucks and the Chiefs' futures. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes. It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. 
in these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Have you been dreaming about paying off credit card debt, installing solar panels, going to college, or even buying a plane? Yes, someone really did that. With a figure HELOC, your home can help you cover vacations, medical bills, retirement, wedding expenses, home improvement, emergencies, or a pool. The opportunities are endless. Unlock up to $400,000 and choose the fastest HELOC on the planet at figure.com. Faster than a bank loan, cheaper than a personal loan. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 9-1 to one to win Super Bowl 56, 4.5-1 to one to win the NFC tied with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I actually heard, I think, John Murray of the Westgate, or the Superbook, I guess, on with uh, our pal Nick Costos and Lockie Lockerson on their You Better You Bet uh, show, and he said that they got some just enormous bets on the Buccaneers the day after the Super Bowl. Like, apparently dudes come in and just lay lunkers after the Super Bowl, you would hope, you know, you would think that they would uh, do that, you know, like on, on not the teams that just won the Super Bowl, but whatever. Yeah. You would think they would do it before the Super Bowl so you could actually get that payoff the next day. Right. Well, yeah, do that. <laughs> I'm saying, like, you know, Todd Furman pointed out last year around this time that the Buccaneers were a good pick at 60 to 1. You know, it's a great call. That was before the Brady thing, right? Um, you'd think people would be going out and, and, and hammering. You know, not just the team that just won the championship because the Bucks have $28.9 million in cap space available, but they have a lot of free agents out there, Dubin. What do you think, uh, where, where, where should their priorities lie? So, I mean, I think that they have to without I'm, I'm sorry. I should, I should point out, um, notable free agents, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and Indomitian Sue. Those guys are all important. Yeah, I mean, to me, the most important thing is by the franchise tag deadline, already having at least one of Chris Godwin and Shaq Barrett signed to a deal so that you can franchise Agreed the other one if if you haven't reached a deal with them yet. Like, to me, very clearly, Barrett, Godwin, and Levante David are the three guys that they absolutely need to have back in, in contention like they were this year. You know, so, Godwin is... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I agree, I agree completely. Barrett, starting on Barrett, I think is really interesting because he is an older, you know, he's a, I think he was, what do you former first round pick? Yeah, uh, gotta be six years ago now. Yeah, and he's older. He he wasn't good. No, he 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 signed the Broncos. He signed a one year, four million dollar deal with the Buccaneers last season, blew, or two, you know, in 2019, blew up. They franchise tagged him for 2020. He played out the tag. And so now you'd have to give him 120%. I just sort of wonder, will Shaq Barrett be willing to take less than elite pass rusher money on the open market in order to keep playing in Todd Ball's system? Because he works really well on that system. You know, like you could see him signing somewhere where they just plop him down as a, you know, three, a four, three end and he just doesn't have as much success. So I think it, I think it, that's, that to me is the, the biggest crux of it. Is he, is he, is he, and like these guys should want to come back and play with Tom Brady, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, he just took him to a Super Bowl after like years of losing in Tampa Bay. I just sort of wonder if Shaq Barrett might be willing. Although Shaq Barrett might have two rings. Did he win with the Broncos? Yeah, let me look. Um, at, at any rate, what, like, what, do you, you think? I mean, fourteen, fifteen. If, if it was fourteen or fifteen, he was there. Yeah, I think um, he was. 
Let's see. Yeah, they won in 2015, so he, it was his second year. Two-time Super Bowl champion. That's right, Shaq Barrett. Um, yeah, I just sort of wonder, like, do you think – how do you think he'll – I mean, maybe it's impossible to know until we get there, but do you do you think he'll approach it as like, all right, maybe the cap's down, I'm going to sign a two-year deal with Tampa that gives me a chance to, you know, like not like leave after one. I, I don't know how you would structure it because I don't think Tampa wants to do a one-year deal. Um, and I don't think you tag him. I think you tag Godwin. If you tag anybody, right? Yeah, I mean, it just depends who you can get signed to a long-term deal, and then you tag the other one if you can't get them to sign. Like, I would be trying to hammer out long-term deals with oh, both of them. Two uh, or three guys I, and then tag David, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you got to get all of them signed to me. Um, the one that you, quote-unquote, need the least might be Godwin just because – He's 24, man. Yeah, No, um, like, he's really good. They should I know what you mean. 1, like for, for Tom percent. Brady's for to win it to repeat as Super Bowl champions, maybe the guy that is le- least important of those three could be Chris Godwin in 2020. But if you're investing long term in these players, Godwin's the better asset at his age. Oh, a hundred percent. And like he's so good. Like, and it, it's such a weapon to have like a big slot guy. You know, not that he's enormous, but like when you have that big slot who can win inside like Michael Thomas when you line him up in the slot and you just can't cover him because he's got a big body and and he's quicker than opposing defensive backs. Godwin is sort of in the same mold and he can play on the outside too. Like he's such a good such a good player, such a versatile player. Like you really need all of them back. And then I mean Levante David might be like the best coverage linebacker in the league still right now, a decade into this thing. He's he's got to be like maybe 30, 31 at this point, he's been in the league for what, 10 years or so, but he's yep. still so good. And I mean, we saw how good he was in the Super Bowl. He was just absolutely all over Travis Kelsey the entire game. And then, you know, just so much of what makes that defense good is Barrett and JPP coming off the edges. Like, I don't know the, that they have a replacement for Barrett, you know, and it's not like if they go draft an edge in the first round, he's going to suddenly just be Shaq Barrett, you know, and it's not like there's another guy, not that they knew Barrett would turn into this when they signed him for like, 5 million or whatever in 2019, but it's not like there's another guy where you could say, Oh, you know, we'll get him for 5 million this year and he'll do that for us. That's not a thing right now, you know? So I think they definitely need all three of those guys back. And I would be way less concerned with any of, you know, Antonio Brown, Gronk, Fournette. Um, Sue is important, but they do still have, or is Steve McClendon a free agent? I know they traded for him mid season. I think he is. They, I would say they, they ideally want at least one of those two guys back in, in Sue and McClendon to, to play. He signed a one year deal with the Jets have. before last year. Yeah. Um, um Sue to yeah. me feels like the most likely guy to make a, a business decision in the sense of I want to live in a, a state with no income tax and play with Tom Brady for a chance to win another mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Just cause he was a first round, you know, he's a number two overall pick and under the old CBA. He's like buddies with Warren Buffett, you know. So I mean, like, I don't, I don't think Sue is like, like, hell bent on maximizing his price tag yeah. and free. He's hit free agency like five times. I mean, I just think he's, I think he's willing to sign a one year deal for good money to play with Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I would think so. And I mean, to play on the same defensive line as as Barrett and JPP and Vita Vea, it makes his life pretty easy too. Like, look what he had to deal with when he was. Uh, in Detroit, didn't have that kind of help alongside him. Obviously, he and Vita Vey are to... a perfect combo too, because you oh, have yeah, one yeah. one guy who just is a massive man that soaks up tons of blockers, and but can rush and Vea, and then Sue, who's like the like the ultimate inside, or I guess Aaron Donald is, but you know Sue's like the ultimate yeah. inside pass rusher. 
Yeah, I mean, I would think out of the, the group of guys that we talked about, Fournette is probably the least likely to be back because I would imagine that Gronk and Antonio Brown are just going to be like, I'll play with Brady again. I don't know how many other teams would even have interest in Antonio Brown. Um, yeah. Well, and, Gronk, uh, Gronk has said he's basically just coming back if it's to play with Brady. Right. Like he, like he's, that's the only thing he's doing. And then with Brown, I agree with you. I think that people would be less likely to sign him. I also think Antonio Brown is probably pretty likely to want to keep playing with Tom Brady. I mean, yeah. he's one of us, one of a Super Bowl scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He's like brings him into his house. He brings him onto all his teams. I think it, it, I don't know. Like where else is, why would Antonio Brown want to risk going anywhere else? Yeah. I mean, I guess I also money. don't know how many other teams would be willing to take the risk on him either at this point. Yeah. I mean, literally he's, you can rule out like a fourth of the NFL. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, like you can, like, uh, I think it's optimistic to think that the, a quarter of the teams in the NFL care that much about. No, I'm saying like you can rule out the Raiders, you can rule out the oh. Steelers, you can rule uh, out the Bills, uh, you can probably rule out the Patriots at this point. Um, you can, uh, and that's then like, already an eighth of the teams, so. Right. That's what I'm saying. And then, but then like take, take care of like some bottom feeder teams that he's just not going to go play for who aren't going to pay him. And, mm. you know, it's pretty, I, I don't know. I think you can get there fairly easily, but sure. There, there could be a market for Antonio Brown. Um, I think it's more than likely that he sticks with Tom Brady because by and large, Tom Brady has that cachet to sort of cloak his off field problems. I mean, like I, they didn't catch much flack at all for having Antonio Brown on the Bucks this year. Yeah. Um, I think that that says more about um, those of us covering the league than it does about the Bucks or about Tom Brady. You know, I'm just saying that like we keep like blitzing, like blasting Antonio Brown for what he does off the field, and then Tom Brady just keeps bringing him back into the fold. I mean, although Russell Wilson wanted him too, so I don't know. Yeah, um, I think that players care more more about winning than they do about what most guys do off the field. Um, it's, I think, a big part of our job to make sure that it doesn't go unmentioned and uncovered. You know, same thing with, with Tyreek Hill, where it's like, you know, you'll hear he's had some issues off the field. Yeah. And that's about it. You know, like once a game or once every few games, uh, there was a good story about it. Uh, and I think it was in SI last week about a, a Danish journalist that came to the Super Bowl to cover, um, Tyreek Hill and yeah, and was confused about why nobody talks about it. Right. And I think that that was spot on. That's, that's a fair point. Um, Arians, Bruce Arians has said he is definitely coming back and he said, I have all the trust in the world and GM Jason Light and what he would do. These guys, they have a bond. There will be dollars involved, but I think that this group is so, so close that sometimes dollars don't matter. We're going to do everything we can to get the dollars right too, because they earned it. Um, Leonard Fournette, did we mention Fournette? Did you mention Fournette? Yeah. I said, I think that just out of those guys is probably the least likely to be back. You know, he's made the least amount of money. Out of those guys, probably, or no, Goblin's probably made less because he wasn't a number four pick. Yeah, for that, I mean, yeah, for that's made good money is by being, you know, a top, is he a top yeah. pick. Oh. But I mean, Goblin is also, you know, considerably better relative to his position and more likely to be paid and more likely to be paid more because he plays a position that matters more. Well, see, that um, was the plus, thing with Burnett that I was thinking, like, he might, there might not be any money for him out of the market. Right. But it's also like, if he wants, say, you know, $8 million for next season, like, why would the Bucks give him that? They just showed that you could get Leonard Fournette's for nothing. <laughs> right. 
and and have them play really well in the Super Bowl. Like and you know, Ronald Jones it, was it's, played well in the Super Bowl too. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, I think he'll come. You know, the third year in Bruce Arians' offense, maybe he starts to come along a little bit better. And he got banged up, and they just drafted a running back last year too. Not that he did all that much this year, Keyshawn Vaughn, but yeah. you know they have him too. Yeah, I I wouldn't if if Leonard Fournette will come back for somewhere between what four and six two million? and four million dollars. Like, yeah, why would they four. pay any more than that? You know, like especially with all the guys they have to pay, like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. I'm just if I'm. If you're Leonard Fournette, I mean, I guess it depends on who's who's out there. But like, if the Jets want to give you six million and the Bucks are willing to give you three million, probably stay with the Bucks, right? Uh, I mean, I would take the six million. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to do the math on like the state taxes, and then like, you know, yeah. Look, um, I've lived in New Jersey, New York, and Florida. Um, the weather's nicest down there. I would still take six million over three million. <laughs> fair point, fair point. I, you know what? And Leonard Fournette probably will too. Um, yeah. Although playoff Lenny, man. Uh, all right, the Chiefs, they are the overwhelming Super Bowl 56 favorites at five and a half to one. Understandable. They're just a very short two plus 260 to win the AFC. Um, we were, we did a, a hit on, uh, HQ, me and Jonathan Jones, and we we're asked like, like he, somebody was like, what's, what's, you know, what's the Chiefs top priority? You're like, what's their biggest thing of need? And he was like, uh, and then I was Did like, you watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah. When somebody asked me, it was like, offensive line question mark. Like, I don't know. There's nothing. There's no holes. If the offense, if Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are healthy and, uh, 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 Tardif comes back, it doesn't opt out. It doesn't have one more who opted out, uh, a rookie they drafted. I mean, like you get all those guys back and it's just not a problem anymore. There's no, there's no holes on this roster. Yeah, I mean, uh, both Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are up after next season. Schwartz getting into his mid thirties now, and he's got now a back injury. So mm. definitely, I would think tackle is has got to be a priority. Whether it's just swing tackle or drafting a tackle in one of the first couple rounds of the draft, probably on the, the first two days of the draft, um, they could still get better on the interior of the offensive line too. I think you know you you can do better than you know even if you have all your guys back. Duvernay, Tardif, Wiley, and Austin Ryder. Does a healthy Chiefs offensive line, a fully, like a, just ignore the pandemic, ignore the injuries, do, do they beat the Bucks? I mean, they score a touchdown. I picked them to win before the game. Like, they definitely score a touchdown. Mahomes doesn't have to run 497 yards or whatever that stat from Next Gen Stat was. Um, yeah. It was like he ran 497 yards and Brady ran like 32. I like, can't believe Brady's even that high. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, if you move off your spot, that's a yard, you know? Were you shocked? Um, I mean, were you obviously shocked by the outcome? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty surprised. Um, not that if the Bucks were going to win, that's the way I thought it was going to happen. Like, just the, the defensive line completely dominating the game to the point where they couldn't take their shots downfield, even if they, um, even if they wanted to. And that those combination of things sort of took Tyreek out of the game, which is essentially what happened. Um, that was definitely the script that I saw. I just thought that Mahomes was going to be able to overcome it because yeah. he overcomes everything. Yep. You know, like it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was tough to tough to imagine that happening. Uh, they do have some plenty of uh, unrestricted free agents, including Sammy Watkins. Man, remember this is this is Sammy's third, second bite of the apple. He played out his rookie deal and then signed with the Chiefs. And it's probably under well. Well, he got um, it's like his third because he got traded from the Bills to the Rams. First. Oh, right, 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 right. He got traded to the Rams. Um, 
Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I was remember when he's on the Rams. Um, I anyway, he's probably underwhelmed on his contract, but I mean, he's oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely underwhelmed. But he's, I mean, he had some big moments in the playoffs. At any rate, Alex Okafor, Daniel Sorensen, Brashad Breeland, Marcus Robinson, and Le'Veon Bell, all unrestricted free agents. Daryl Williams, a restricted free agent. Running back, we're not going to concern ourselves with because they used a first round pick on Clyde Edwards Elaire. Um, receiver, I don't really panic too much on either. Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman. Um, you know, I think a guy like Demarcus Robinson will probably come back on a cheaper deal. Sammy Watkins could even take almost nothing from the Chiefs if he wants to hang around and, and be Kansas City. I'm sure he likes it at this point. We'll see what happens there. The defense is probably more of a concern than anything with the secondary, right? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, Breland is probably the the guy out of that group of six or seven that I would prioritize bringing back. Um, he, he's just a really good player, and obviously they play sides with their cornerbacks, so he takes one side of the field. Charveris Ward takes – the other, um, you know, they could use Rashad Fenton, I guess, in place of Breland, but it's a, it's a pretty significant downgrade, I think, to go from, from Breland and Ward to Fenton and Ward. And then obviously, Glajarius Need was a nice find for them, uh, playing the slot. You know, they, they have other safeties besides Sorensen. He's, he's a solid player. If he wants to take, you know, whatever they're willing to give him to come back, I would, I would try to bring him back and keep him as a, you know, rotational second, third safety type. But, you know, Breland to me is the big one. Um, and they they do need, I think, to to bring at least one of Watkins and Robinson back. Like you can't just come into the season with three receivers like Tyree, Cardman, and Pringle. You know, like you got to have some depth there. And I think if they don't bring Watkins back, if they bring Robinson back, they they do need to find another guy still because Hardman, I don't think, has shown yet that he's ready to be the number two receiver. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I just don't, I guess I don't worry about the receiver position quite as much because it feels like Andy Reid can uncover some gems. Yes, but I think, you know, if they had someone more capable of beating the defense quickly in the Super Bowl, mm. maybe things go differently, you know? Eh, I don't know. They didn't seem really interested in doing any short stuff. Yeah. I, although, like, if you have somebody else, like Tyreek beat, uh, Sean Murphy bunting on that one slant that he took for like 30 yards or whatever. You have another guy that could do something like that. No, I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying they don't need some help on the depth chart. I'm just saying, I guess, like, I mean, do they need to go out and upgrade with a Allen Robinson or anything like anything crazy like that? Do they need to? No. Would it be awesome? Yeah, Yeah, that's true. true. Like a Corey Davis would fit really well with them too. Oh yeah, get him on the team. I I think he's going to get paid. Probably, but remember, I mean, Andy Reid paid Sammy Watkins, and you know, obviously, the Chiefs don't have. Quite as much wiggle room in the cap in, in terms of the cap, but um, you know, I I do think you can. I mean, they they can make stuff work. Like they had negative, well, they had like pennies on the dollar before and they flipped it. Yeah, I mean, look, they the the big things are the offensive line, the secondary, and I think they need to get some sort of better complement to Chris Jones and Frank Clark on the edge because I mean, Frank Clark, what for what they traded for him and what they paid him, just not worth the money. Hmm. I mean, I think I saw a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, they didn't get it out awesome of Frank in the Clark. What's that? They didn't get it out of Frank Clark. They got it out of Mahomes. Yeah, he was really good in the Super Bowl, though. That defense played. Well. He was. They could have won that with you playing defense event. <laughs> That's fair. Um, what? I mean, I'm trying to think of a tar. Who do you go after? I mean, like, there's a lot of edge rushers. I mean, like a Solomon Thomas. I mean, what? 
Mm. It's not bad. He has the flexibility to play inside on occasion. Yeah, that's sort of what I was thinking. Um, You know, there's there's always got like you know they signed Okafor for what a few million dollars. Like there's always guys you could get like that, and maybe one of them turns into Shaq Barrett. You know. Um, Yeah. There, there's there's plenty of guys out there like Melvin Ingram. Is he willing to come over and and play for you instead of the Chargers? Yeah, Bud Dupree. He's an inside outside guy too. Yeah, Bud Dupree probably wants to get paid. Clowney probably wants to get paid. Bring Justin Houston back. Like Justin Houston has just been flat out better than Frank Clark that's, since they made that swap. You know, that's like a good point for less money. Yeah, you know, no, Yannick and Gakwe probably wants to get paid. The problem with all these good guys is they all want to get paid. Right. Um, maybe you could bring in Olivier Vernon. Be a good fit. He can play against the run pretty well. Yeah, Leonard Floyd played well this year. Like, go yeah, after Floyd guys. Wants to get paid from, too, though. I mean, like yeah, I think you're right. I the problem is you bring in these edge rushers who with like who had decent seasons and they're gonna want to get paid. Yeah. That's that's the problem. Like maybe Trent Murphy. Not that he's like the greatest edge rusher in the world, but he's solid, you know, like you bring somebody in and hope they pop, is is basically yeah. what you're saying. Um like, so on the um let's see, last year this time, I don't know if you're on the show or not. I don't know if we did it after the Super Bowl or we did it later in the week. But we were discussing like how many were you on when we were discussing how many Super Bowls like if you were setting totals for Reed and Mahomes and it felt like you know six was you know, the, like it felt like three wins they're like over under three and a half wins or and over under like five and a half appearances and I don't know that it changed that much after this loss but I mean it just reminds you how hard it is to win a Super Bowl and now you know even a one or a two loss I guess technically Chiefs team that you know, casually like bandied about opponents for half of a season and then turn it on to the playoffs can still find a way to get upset. You know, it's, it's just, it's just hard to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, look, injuries happen too. Mahomes got injured in the playoffs. Like if that happened, if that happens around earlier, maybe they don't even make yeah. the Super Bowl, you know? Um, it's also like, I don't know that necessarily my expectation for them in the future has changed that much. Like Mahomes has what, 10 years, on his contract, uh, I would expect that he'll play at least that many. Barring he's, by the way, he's having surgery on Wednesday morning. So if you're listening to this, he's probably already had the surgery on it. Yeah, a, on his a, turf toe. Yeah, right? it's a, a planter plate, a fractured planter plate, or something like that. But yeah, turf toe basically, which yeah is you're going to recover from it fine with with a full off season, I think. But not exactly the world's greatest injury for a guy that you know, for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, look he was able to play through it and still move pretty well through, through the, through the entire postseason since he had that injury. Um, it, it's not like I would expect in his thirties, he'll lose some of his athleticism, but it's not like, you know, Aaron Rodgers was a, a, a super athletic quarterback early in his career. Now he's not quite as much. He still moves around really well among the better quarterbacks in the league at moving around. Like, unless you have some sort of traumatic injury like Alex Smith had, you don't lose that much mobility to the point where you just can't move around anymore. Mahomes is going to be able to do that for the majority of his career. And he's obviously so talented and he's with, you know, just about the best offensive coach that there is. Like, I don't know that my expectation for them changed that much. Like he's, he's signed in Kansas city for 10 more years. I would expect he'll play at least those 10 more years in Kansas city, like over under, Two and a half Super Bowls, like I wouldn't take the under. Yeah, like do you I mean, feel the, super I mean, the confident under, that you know, 
like eight it's not, teams I'll, are going to win a Super Bowl other than them? I don't. Like, yeah. It's not a likely outcome that they'll win three more, but I still wouldn't take the under on two and a half because then like all of a sudden they went back-to-back Super Bowls. They got three or four, you know, and and – it's, you know, it's just like what Brady did in New England. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously a different setup, right. but I mean, when Brady missed the playoffs after they won that first Super Bowl, everybody's like, mm-hmm. nobody's thinking dynasty. And right. then they rip off the next two and it totally changes everything. So, you know, I, I think given that, yes, we, we, we probably jumped the gun and this is no surprise. This is what we do in football media. We probably jumped the gun on talking about a potential dynasty, but then it didn't seem that I don't way. know that we did though. Like I don't know, they got back to the Super Bowl. Like they should have been three years in a row, really. Yeah. And like if they don't lose both of their tackles, maybe they win. Like that's none of this is to say the Bucks weren't worthy, the Bucks weren't good. They might not have won anyway. Like they won. That's really all that matters. Um but in terms of the, the Chiefs future like, I think you can make a pretty good argument that if they had their tackles, they might have won again. And then nobody's questioning whether or not there'll be a dynasty, you know? I like, mean, if Key Ford didn't go offside against the Patriots in 2018, we might be, yeah. like, when it's, there's, you don't have to, like, distort reality very much to get to the Chiefs, like, having won three straight Super Bowls, basically. Yeah, but that's also, like, you don't have to distort reality that much to have them having won none either. Sure. You know, Absolutely. like, if uh jet chip wasp that Mahomes throws that pass a yard further outside and Tyreek doesn't catch it. Or or what if what if Jimmy Rabble throws that ball to Emmanuel Sanders a yard further, you know, a yard shorter, and he does catch yeah. it. And you know, it's there's a it, like it, the set the saying it's a game of inches obviously is is a cliche and overused, but it is very accurate. <laughs> we need uh everywhere around <laughs> us. <laughs> um all right. Any other thoughts on the Chiefs off season or uh, or anything else from that Super Bowl that you want to add? No, I mean they're they're obviously in about as good a spot you could be in going into the future. Like, I don't know that there's any team that should feel better about their future over the next five to ten years than the Chiefs. Like, they have the best quarterback in the league. Um, still the most talented quarterback that I've ever seen in my life. Like, Agreed. They and they have Harry Hill locked up. They have Kelsey locked yeah. up. I mean, they can they can extend these guys, but yeah, they need to get him some protection, but. I, let me ask you one more thing. We'll get out of here. Do you think in any way that Todd Bowles and the Bucks created any sort of blueprint for slowing down Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is have the opposing team's best two tackles get hurt and their best guard take the season off. And then you got to have, you know, two of the best 10 pass rushers in the league, one of whom led the league in pressures this season. You got to have like, and two of the best, like 15 interior defensive line. Yeah. One and of whom two, and two like, like uh, a burgeoning young all pro linebacker as well as a guy and the best pass coverage linebacker in the league. Yeah. Um, if you have all of that, you got the blue and, and a rookie and a, and a hard hitting rookie ball hawk safety who could, would have been yeah, defensive yeah. player of the year if not for Chase Young, rookie defensive of the year if not for Chase Young. Yeah, just get all that, slap it together. That's the thing about yeah. the Bucks that's interesting though. Like, you know, we talk about their, their free agents. It's, oh, this is a big list of guys. But I, I really do think they'll bring Chris Goblin back. I think just because of his age and the fact that they drafted him. Um, I could see Levante David staying in Tampa Bay and just because he, that's where he's been his whole career. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you figure out a way to talk Shaq Barrett into coming back and you've got Vita Vea, Antoine Winfield, Devin White. Like those are, those are three blue chip pieces on a defense. Yeah. Look, they're, they're cornerbacks who coming into last season, not this season, last season, were like maligned as maybe the worst group of cornerbacks in the league. They've taken a step forward, sure. Yeah, you know, they 
they didn't play well at the start of the 2019 season at all. But down the stretch of the season, they got a little bit better. This year, they got a little bit better. Carlton Davis, with the exception of the game that he got absolutely torched by Tyreek Hill for 269 yards or whatever it was, I think played pretty well for the most part this year. Jamel Dean, when he wasn't being asked to cover double moves, played well this year. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting might have had the best postseason of the three of them. And those guys are all super young, too. I think Carlton Davis might be the oldest of the three, and he's like 25. Yeah, Bucks are in a good spot for the future too. You know, and they have a quarterback who plays younger than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so he's forty-three. Yeah. I, I uh, will say about the Bucks though, defense tends to be less consistent over time right. than offense. So building your team around an elite defense just isn't as solid a proposition as it is building around your offense. Granted, they as if if Brady continues his level of play for the next however long he decides he wants to keep playing, they're gonna be fine. Uh, if there's a drop off in Brady's play over the next two, three years, all of a sudden, even though they have all those really good young defensive players, it's not going to matter if you don't find the right quarterback. We saw that last year where they had a really good defense, one of the best defenses in the league. They were solid up front on, on the offensive line for the most part. They had really good receivers. Their running game wasn't very good, but it's not like their running game this year was incredible. But Jameis Winston turned the ball over 30 times. So no, nothing else mattered. All of a sudden they bring in Brady. Obviously their, their turnover rate as a possession of a uh, percentage of their possessions went from over 20% to under 9%. Yeah. And that's why they were one of the best teams in the league this year instead of being like six and 10 or whatever they were two years ago. Yep. Future still bright, even with a 43 year old quarterback. What a world we live in. All right, dude. Unbelievable. Uh, thanks as always, buddy. Good catching up with you. Incredible season. You put in great work. Uh, we all deserve a rest. But free agency is almost here anyway. So yeah, uh, we'll be, um, we'll be, we'll be chatting with you soon. Uh, happy birthday to, uh, Bodie. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's tomorrow. He doesn't know that I got him. It's today a cake. for people listening. Oh, today for people listening, I got him a cake that's a picture of him on it. <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. We got yeah, some there, frozen place near me that makes, uh, that makes like dog cakes for dogs. I love it. And they sent me an incredible, advertisement too it was a dog wearing a yarmulke oh <laughs> nice and the and the the cake is shaped like a jewish star That's with the incredible. dog wearing the yarmulke on it it's That's unbelievable incredible. all right we'll put that up on social media people can go check it out uh dude thanks as always buddy thanks for having me Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.